Um, if they want to go ahead and meet their teachers out in the foyer, and they're going to head down to their classes. Um, is it just me, or does anyone feel like God is on the move? <laughs> well, at least it's not just me. <clears throat> um, I'm going to try to bring a lot of things together uh, today. I just, uh, I'm in a season in my life right now where I feel like God is speaking. In fact, um, he's saying a lot of things to me. And we've been in this series called Spread the Fire. And I, I feel like God has been correcting me, showing me some things, giving me vision. Uh, I meet with Pastor Jeff Mann, another pastor in town often, and I even told him, I said, in the 20 years I've been in ministry, I have never had the type of clarity, vision, direction. And I mean, don't, please don't think every morning I wake up and there are angels singing. I mean, I, some days I still have to fight for it, but um, I just am in a season where... <clears throat> Just seeing a, a lot of different things. And so I'm excited about it. Some of it I'm going to share with you. The, the first week of January, we're going to call a three-day fast um, and a week of, or a three days of prayer. Not maybe not a week of prayer, but three days of prayer. And during one of those nights is going to be one of our family meetings where we, I share some of this with you, uh, just what God's, on my, what God's put on my heart for us to contend for as a church. Some of it I've already shared. Some of it I'm going to share in the next couple of weeks. And uh, it feels really weird to stand, but uh, I'm standing, so uh, that's okay. This is standing, this is sitting. Um, so that's what we're going to do. <clears throat> I don't know why I said that, but uh, praise God. Um, and so, uh, but one of the things that I want to unpack for you today is uh, something that God's put in my heart that really goes right along with this series called Spread the Fire. And for some of you, I believe this can be life-altering if you let it. Um, for some of you, you're... You're waiting for God to do something that he hasn't done yet, and it's not going to happen uh, because he's already given us <clears throat> in seed form everything we need for life and godliness. The kingdom of God is within us, and so all that we need is there. It's just we, we, we have to start activating by faith and acting on what God has already given us. So, you know, I think of Paul when he was preaching to the Athens, remember the people that didn't know God? And uh, he said, you know, in the past, God wanted people to feel their way to him. And uh, in the past, God overlooked our ignorance, but he's not going to overlook our ignorance now because we, we have the truth. I mean, we have the cross. We have the exact representation of our Father. We have the, the written word of God. We have a history of God. And so, you know, some of us are claiming ignorance and God's like, mm, no, uh, it's all there for you. And for different reasons, it, it's not always clear to us, but I, I pray that God could make it clear. And last week, Pastor John uh, shared a message that really excited me because a lot of what he shared is stuff that's going on in my heart. And it's not like stuff that I've shared with him because we do talk a lot about stuff at staff meetings and at different times. And, uh, but this was stuff that God had put in his heart when we were separated over Thanksgiving break. And uh, if only you knew going into Thanksgiving break uh, what God had done, then it, it just made it that much more special. But I wanted Heather to share that testimony this week. Uh, she didn't get to share it last week in the message, and I felt like it needed to be shared. But before I get to that, I wanted to share this, because this week, Pastor John got a, a message from someone, and this is in essence what they said. From his sermon last week, the goal is not just to hear God so well that we do everything he asks us to do when he asks but to know him so well that we do what's in his heart before he has to ask. 
That's profound. In fact, when he told me this at staff meeting, I'm like, you said that? (laughs) He's like, yeah, that was, that's in my sermon. I'm like, you need to send it to me because I missed it. I mean, I took good notes and you said a lot of stuff, but I missed that one. And that one was great and exciting. And so I wanted him to pass that on to me because one of the things I feel like God is calling us, calling me to do, to lead us as a body into is to be spiritual and biblical. I don't know if that's the best way to say it, um, and so maybe don't. If you can hear that in a negative way, that you're if you're not doing what I say, you're unbiblical. That's not what I'm saying at all. So if that's how it sounds, uh, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus, and I give you ears to hear what I'm trying to say in in place of it. But this is what I mean. I, I believe God's saying I want you to be spiritual. I want you to respond to me. I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I want you, when you feel prompted by me to do something, to do it. I want you, when I ask for you to respond, I want you to be spiritual. But I feel like he's also saying, I want you to be biblical. In other words, I want you to do what the book says, even when there's no urging or prompting or feeling. And I think sometimes as we, as we go through the book of Acts a little bit today, we make it seem like, you know, God, we shouldn't do anything until God prompts us to do it. And sometimes God, God just wants us to begin to act and trust that he's in it. And it was when Grace shared her testimony. I don't know if Grace is in the room, but when she shared her testimony, she said something that leapt on the inside of me because she said, when I was in that moment, she said, people asked me to, or if they could pray for me, and anytime someone asked, I just said yes. So, I mean, anytime someone said, can you pray for me, I I just said yes. I'm like, yes. Like, there was a giant yes that, like, boom, went off on the inside of me. And, you know, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, when you come to the end of a service and someone says, hey, come forward for prayer, do you only go when I prompt you to go? Or do you say, you know what, that prayer maybe would point me, I want to get closer to God, so I don't feel the urging, <clears throat> excuse me, but I'm going to go ask to be prayed for because it's biblical. Yeah, it's biblical. Or, you know, I only fast when I feel prompted to fast. You know, the Lord's laid on my heart to go into a fast. And absolutely, he, he's done that to me, but do I ever just choose it? Because it's in the Bible, and he says, when you fast, and do I ever just say, God, I want you so bad that I'm going to go into a season of fasting, not because you're telling me to, but because I'm telling me to. You understand what I'm saying? Do I ever choose Jesus over Netflix? Not because I feel the Spirit prompting me, but because it's a pathway to where I want to go. And some of us say, oh man, I wish I could have revival. But we're glued to Netflix, and we're waiting for God to do some boom to make it happen, and he's like, just turn it off. Just come after me. I I mean, I've given you everything you need, but in his grace, there are days that he's still just on the inside of us, and it it all boils down to the choice to to be biblical, and you know, I think of Jonathan and his armor bearer in the Old Testament when they say, hey, let's go over to the Philistine outpost, not because God's telling me to, but who knows, maybe God will help. And it's like, maybe if I just step out and go to this sick person and just say, hey, could I pray for you? Who knows? Maybe God will help. Some of us are just waiting for the Holy Spirit to rise up inside of us and be like, pray for that person and I'm going to heal them. Like the Peter and John moment on the way to prayer. And God's waiting for us to just pray to build a fireplace, if you will, so he can send fire. 
And maybe the reason that we're not hearing those promptings is because we're glued to Netflix. Some of you are like, I don't even know what Netflix is. (laughs) That's okay, don't ever find out. It's horrible. (laughs) It's like terribly addicting and it just sucks you right in. Trust me, I know. I feel your pain. But he's calling us to rise above it and be biblical. And as I was listening to this, the Lord was telling me all this. I'm like, Lord, I get this, I get this. And I was feeling a frustration that other people don't get it. (laughs) Do you ever feel that way? Yeah, it's judgmental, it's great. Um, And the Lord came into the shower with me and he rebuked me. He's like, you're not getting it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not getting it. I get it. This is awesome. I want to step out in this. And as I shared my testimony video, this is what I've been doing. I've been praying in the spirit more, just trying to respond to the Holy Spirit in obedience. And you'd think this would be profound, but it's not. It's just simple. Um, But he's like, here's a situation. And he brought up the Molins and awakened the dawn. I'm, I'm... I was with them when they got the gift card and I knew the history. So the moment they got the gift card, I knew that was God's faithfulness. And something, I, I actually wept in that moment because I'm like, man, they just laid it out before God and look, he just came through right in front of me. <clears throat> but here's the thing. <clears throat> I gotta get rid of that. But here's the thing. Let me try to get rid of it. They used their own money and their own vacation to go to Washington, D.C. because the Lord put it on their heart, which is good. Sometimes we have to do that. And I don't know that in ministry, sometimes the the things like that that we want to do, sometimes there has to be a cost attached to it. You know, David said, I'm not going to give the Lord something that costs me nothing. And they did that. They threw down. They said, we're going to use our vacation. We're going to use our money. We're going to go. We're going to do this. Um, But at the same time, they were invited. The same people that invited them invited me. Um, But I didn't feel an urging to go. I didn't feel a prompting to go. And it wasn't like I tried to say, you shouldn't go. But it was like there was this indifference toward their going, from me at least, anyway. And so they went. And I felt like the Lord in that moment came to me and said, you know, had you blessed them and just said, you know what, you guys just threw down. You made a, a radical sacrifice to do this. And Is meeting together on the National Mall and crying out for repentance for our nation a biblical thing? Yeah, absolutely. It's just as biblical as going on a missions trip. And we celebrate that. Why didn't we celebrate them? He said, if you would have sent them, not given them money or vacation, but sent them like you connected yourselves and said, man, we celebrate your obedience, go. Your prayers would have been attached to them as they prayed, making their prayers more effective there. And the blessing they received for responding to me would have spilled over onto you. And I'm like, oh. Literally, I did. Now, it was weird because in seasons past, sometimes when the Lord corrects me, I'm like, oh, God, I'm such a terrible person. But I was just like, oh. And I literally, they were in Rapid City. And I had to call them on the phone. I'm like, I have to tell you guys this because I have to repent. I have to tell you I'm sorry for being indifferent toward your going. And I wanted her to share that here so I could share that with you so that what I share in the next few moments maybe makes a little more sense to us because God wants us to recognize obedience even without the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Does that that make sense? Okay, I hope that makes sense. So spread the fire. 
Today we're covering some of the stuff from chapters five and chapter six in the books. So anyway, by the way, thank you guys for just being obedient and going. And uh, I believe that if we repent like we just did, that God can go like backlog because he dwells outside of time. Isn't this so awesome? Like I would sit there and think, well, that, wow, man, we really hindered their prayers. But God dwells outside of time. So he knows if I can repent and say, we bless your going, he can like add it back into the past. Because he's already, he's there today. He's in the past, he's in the present, he's in the future. It's all great. Some of you think I'm nuts, but <laughs> I'm not. I'm just out of my mind. <laughs> and so um, these two chapters deal with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and uh, how that works in a Sunday morning worship service in our culture. Because that's kind of, you know, if you grew up in Pentecost, you're like, mm, Sunday morning doesn't really work and it doesn't fit. And so how's this all work? Uh, how's this come together? And uh, this idea of igniting the fire and uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to build a fire in our fireplace. And I love the analogy he uses throughout these two chapters about building a fireplace. You cannot build a fire in your life, but you can build a fireplace for God to start a fire in. Okay, I can go pray for the sick, but I can't heal them. But that's building a fireplace. It's in that moment saying, God, I'm, I'm asking you to come and light a fire right here. And so we can take steps of obedience and we can study the word. We can do things to build a fireplace. I can choose to get up in the morning and come to Sunday school class and engage with the word of God and other believers, or I can choose to sleep in. And both are absolutely great choices. I mean, you, you can choose them and you can get to heaven coming to Sunday school and you can get to heaven not coming to Sunday school. And one doesn't make you more spiritual and one doesn't make you less spiritual, but one actually helps you build a fireplace and sleeping in sometimes doesn't. Although sometimes a nap is building a fireplace. Amen. Sometimes it's spiritual. And we like, we like this cookie cutter. It's always this. Trust me, I know. But it, that's not the way it works with God. He wants us to build a fireplace. And so hopefully this will make sense as we go. But I love the fact that you guys are, are interacting in your huddles with this message and you're, you're, you're really digging in. And uh, I love it because I feel like so many people are coming to me and saying, hey, do you have time to talk to me? I have this question, I have that question. And I don't have all the answers, but uh, maybe together we can just talk it out until the answer comes. And uh, so I encourage you to keep doing that. And uh, pay attention in the, these chapters too. He talks about false fire. And he even warns us that sometimes we think that loud and energetic equals fire. Uh, not always. I mean, you can be loud and just be a clanging cymbal. And sometimes I believe the fire of God is actually a quiet thing. And if you have to be loud and have the fire, I mean, to get the fire of God, if you have to have it a certain way, you really have just boxed God in. And some of the things he wants to use you for and do through your life, he can't because it has to come through this way. I mean, I have to do it this way. I have to, you know, it has to have worship music or it has to have this or it has to have, it doesn't have to have anything. It just has to have a willing heart that says, here I am, let's, let's do this together. And, uh, and it really is that simple. But chapter 11 of Luke, go to Luke chapter 11 and uh, I, I don't know if you know this, um, I'll give you time to turn there or to flip there or pull it up in your your phone or whatever, uh, but this sermon, Igniting the Fire, is, uh, like I said, from those two chapters, but I'm a really private person, so I don't really tell everybody all the stuff that goes on in my life. I'm way more of an open book than some, but uh, I love Christmas. I don't know if you knew that. 
Um, but I do. In fact, today I have black socks on, but one has red stripes and one has green stripes. And uh, I just love everything about it. I don't understand it. Uh, Pastor John said, do you love this time of year more? And I'm like, no, to me, Christmas Day is just like every other day. Like I, Christmas Day isn't like, people are like, are you so excited? I'm like, no, it's like every day. Because every day is Christmas to me. I don't understand it. And I don't know why. And you don't have to be like me, but you do have to like me. So, yeah. But we have Advent, and I'm like, God, I wish we were doing a Christmas series. What could I do? Because I love Christmas, and I love Christmas series. And he dropped something in my heart about Christmas. And so uh, I got some presents. How many like presents? <laughs> Great word today about the presents. I love that. Um, because there are presents coming. It's like you sensed it in your spirit. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to unwrap presents and I'm going to try to use them in an, kind of an analogy to help us understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit in our lives better. And on Christmas Eve, we're giving them away. It's great. I love it. And you can register your family, one per family, every week by putting your Connect card in one of the offering baskets that week. And so if you're here every Sunday from now till Christmas Eve, you get four chances to win each of these gifts. And so don't fill out your Connect card right now. I see some of y'all. But by the end of service, just Fill it out, bring it to the front, and, uh, and uh, if you come to the Christmas party, I'm going to even throw one in there. So if you're at the Christmas party, you get to sign your family up, uh, and I'm super excited about it. It's great. But in Luke chapter 11, here we go, starting in verse 5, then teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. See, Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer that we sometimes recite, but I don't think he taught us that to actually memorize it and recite it. I think he taught us that to teach us some concepts about prayer that we should apply to our lives. And so just repeating that doesn't have some magical formula unless you attach your spirit to it and what God is actually saying and understand it. Um, but suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. <laughs> You'd be like, jerk. <laughs> but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you need because of your shameless persistence. Now, God's not calling us to be annoying to people. Jesus goes on to say, so I tell you, or therefore, so now we know, okay, what's this mean? Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives and everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking finds and to everyone who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is a good gift from our Father. He is a good gift 
from a good father to you and I. And some of us, because of our upbringing, our experiences, our understanding of the scripture, we don't see him as a good gift from a good father. Here's a gift. I mean, coffee is so spiritual that you can apply anything to it. For those of you that don't know, this is a Keurig. This is, you buy these little pods and you stick it in there and it instantly brews uh, a cup of coffee. And so, um, the interesting thing about this is um, sometimes we get gifts and we're like, uh. I mean, have you ever given someone a gift and their face said it all? <laughs> Kids especially. Go to grandma's house and you open it. Socks! And you're like, shh, be thankful. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we don't teach our kids thankfulness at home when we're like mouthing off about everything. But for goodness sake, when grandma gives you socks, be thankful. Um, and so, so great word today, by the way, about being thankful. But, you know, some of us look at the gift of the Holy Spirit a lot like getting this kind of gift. Because some of you are like, oh, I don't want a Keurig. I mean... Why would I want a Keurig? I mean, I prefer my coffee the way I like it brewed. I mean, we all have our ways that we like to have our coffee brewed. And so we're like, I just want my coffee the way that I want it. And so we respond to the gift of the Holy Spirit in just that way. Um, some of us look at this and think this is an unnecessary waste. Uh, it's a really expensive way to drink coffee, so I don't want this. And, you know, I don't know if your kids have ever tried to give you a gift, moms and dads, that make your life better like a technology gift. They're like, you gotta figure this out. And you're like, I can't even turn on the TV and you want me to figure this out. Um, I had, you know, as a time when I was a youth pastor, all these other youth pastors had uh, Mac computers, Apple computers, and they're all like, oh, you gotta have one. And I'm like the only guy around the table with a PC. And uh, we had the Lintons here at the time, and they're like, you need to get a Mac, you need to get a Mac, you need to get an iPad, preach from an iPad, it'll change your life. I'm like, I could never preach from an iPad. And so one year, they got a free iPad for something, and they gifted it to me for Christmas. Uh, I don't get surprised often, one, because I'm nosy, and two, because uh, I like to know everything, and so it's hard to surprise me, and so there's very few times in my life I've been surprised. Uh, that was one. And uh, they have it on video, and we laugh about it all the time. They gave me an iPad, and it unlocked a world for me that uh, I don't ever want to go back. Now, sometimes, like nostalgia, I'm like, I could never read on a Kindle. I got to have a paper book. I got to have a paper Bible. You know, I make notes in my Bible. I could never, 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 never. Uh, and, you know, is this perfect? No, but I, I like it now. And so, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is not a gift from your kids trying to make your life better. It's a gift from a good father who created you. And some of us look at the Holy Spirit and because of our past experience, we're like, well, I prefer to just have my Christianity without all that extra. And I, I'm okay with that. And can I get to heaven that way? Absolutely. Will you take as many people with you if you surrender to the Holy Spirit, probably not. And some of us look at our friends and we're like, man, my friend hasn't received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And look how they're so mature in their faith and they help other people and they helped me. And, and, it's, and we point to all of these things in our experience or we point to the crazies. 
Well, you know, Pastor Tom, I don't know if you've ever watched TBN, but sometimes there's some like nutsos on there. And uh, like, you know, honestly, I really don't watch it, you know, because I, I guess I'm just tired of everybody saying, hey, did you see this or did you see that? No, I really didn't see that. And I don't watch the news either. And uh, I just don't because I don't want to get caught up in all of that. And I don't want to make my decisions based on an experience. And some of you are afraid of the Holy Spirit because you've been scalded. Yeah, imagine this baby can get coffee to come out at 192 degrees. You put that baby in your mouth right away and ah! And some of you, I don't want to drink coffee because someone gave me some coffee and it was bitter or someone gave me some coffee and it was hot and it burned my mouth and I don't want the Holy Spirit in that way because, you know, it, sometimes it's bitter and sometimes, it, you know, I have this taste in my mouth. And I'm imploring you again to get in the scripture, to go to the book. Don't base any of it off your experience. If it's possible, open the Bible as if you're looking at it for the very first time and say to yourself, if I was reading the book of Acts and everything that follows, would I come to the conclusion with no experience of Christianity at all? Would I come to the conclusion that Christianity today should look different than it did in the book of Acts? And if you can biblically come to that place, then absolutely just stay where you are. But I feel like I've been where many of you are. Because I wrestled with this and I didn't want the Keurig in my life. I didn't want the Holy Spirit in that way because of the way that I grew up or the things that I experienced. And it wasn't because of the book. It was because of what I wanted. And so I'm challenging you to take some time to go through the book. What does it say? You know, in some, in Mark chapter 16, this is where we started our series. And I know if you, I don't know if this Bible says it, but if your Bible in Mark chapter 16, this is what it says. The most ancient manuscripts of Mark conclude with verse 16, or chapter 16, verse eight. Later manuscripts add one or both of the following endings. And when we read that, we're like, panic alert. I mean, we're like, oh my goodness. So the verses that follow this were not in the original manuscript of the Bible and it got added later. Many of us think, start to think that. But can I tell you what we're talking about here? We're talking about two manuscripts. Two manuscripts. I looked it up. 99% of the manuscripts found contain one of these two endings in Mark. Two, which happened to be the earliest recorded, did not. Now, lest you think that this is what we're talking about, one day someone was walking along and they were like, oh, a manuscript of the Bible. This is not what they're talking about. Manuscripts of the Bible are pieces of paper, not even the entire book. And what, the, what scholars have to do, and this isn't just with the Bible, this is with all historical documents. Rarely do you find a historical document from front to, to end completely intact. And so what you have to do is you have to study it and you have to compare it with other things found, other manuscripts. And so what scholars have done is they've gone to other writings from early church fathers and they've gone to other books and they've gone to things and they've been able to piece together. Now, if they did not think that there was some credibility to that, they wouldn't have even put it in here. And you will not find anything in the ending of Mark chapter 16 that you will not find somewhere else in the Bible to collaborate or support it, except for drinking poison. Everything else that's included in those verses is found and supported somewhere else in the word of God. So don't let the fear of that footnote 
keep you from experiencing what God wants us to experience. See, sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't really get it. We really don't get it because we read it linearly or we read it in a way that it really wasn't written. We don't understand the culture, the context, or anything. And so it's easy to get a mistake in our head and live off of it. Let me explain it for you. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. And Peter preaches a sermon, 3,000 people get saved. But I want to remind you that a lot of the people in that crowd that day thought those people were drunk. Okay, they accused them of being drunk. And then after this, Peter gives an altar call, 3,000 get saved, and it said all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship or to the body of Christ. That word fellowship does not mean sitting down to have a meal together. It means that they came together as believers, In other words, if we're going to put it in today's vernacular, they became a member of a local body of believers. Not membership on a, you know, sign on a dotted line, but you are all in with a group of people. You're connected to them. You're going to give everything to them, with them, for them, because God's placed you here. That's what fellowship means. Okay? It's not a potluck. I mean, there's a potluck later on that we'll see, but that's what that word fellowship or koinonia in the Greek. And then to the sharing in meals, the potlucks, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now, lest you think that that verse, that all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, can I tell you this? Sometimes the apostles didn't get it either. The gospel was supposed to go to everyone. They didn't get it. So God intervenes, gives Peter a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven, says, eat these unclean animals. He's like, never, Lord, I will never eat an unclean animal. What are you thinking? And then he sends him to a Gentile's house. He starts preaching the gospel. They receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He's like, who knew? Well, Peter, if you had paid attention when Jesus was on the earth teaching, you would have known. But it's so hard sometimes to get out of our paradigms and we can't wrap our brains around it. And so what happened is God had to intervene through the spirit and then that's what happened. So other people then in the book of Acts start doing miracles. Deacons, who knew it wasn't just for the apostles? Because just like us, sometimes they had a hard time wrapping their minds around these things. They worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of the people, and each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. Then in Acts chapters three and four, there's one powerful miracle that's recorded. Now we know lots of things are taking place, but one powerful miracle took place in Acts chapter three where Peter and John are on their way to prayer service at the church, that's where they're going, they're gonna go prayer together, and uh, On the way there, somebody gets healed miraculously and Peter preaches again and 5,000 people get saved. And here's the thing. We read those chapters and let's let's read the end of it. Acts chapter four, they were were taken into prison and then the, the leaders of the religious community said, stop doing this Jesus stuff. Stop preaching about Jesus. Stop talking about Jesus. You're making a big mess of everything. And if you don't stop, bad stuff is going to happen to you. 
So after that, they prayed and they're like, Lord, you hear their threats, give us boldness to do what you've asked us to do. And after this, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter two, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter four, filled with the Holy Spirit. They preached the word of God with boldness and all the believers were united in heart and mind. They were all united in heart and mind. And we read that and we're like, wow, wouldn't that be awesome if like the Holy Spirit just united us all in heart and mind? Well, if we would pray together, he would. And Paul later on in Ephesians 4 says, do everything in your power to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Meaning, it's not just this spiritual thing that has to happen. Our biblical responses have to come alongside of it and maintain what the Spirit starts. And some of us want to give it all to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, I'll be over here watching Netflix and you let me know when you're ready to act. Ouch. Now, I, this, is, this word, there's no nice way to say that this is a rebuke for some. It was a rebuke for me. And it's going to be a rebuke for some. It's not meant as a mean one. And so please don't leave here being like, oh, Pastor Tom thinks I'm a terrible person. No, I love you. And I think you're a wonderful person. Uh, even though the Bible says there's no one good, uh, you're wonderful because God, you're God's masterpiece and he's got a plan for you. And the enemy is trying to rob that plan by, you know, I hate to say Netflix, but, you know, whatever. So where was I? And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord. God's great blessing was upon them all and there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give it to those that were in need. Why did they do that? What would possess people to sell their possessions and bring the money and lay it at the apostles' feet? And I know that we make a big deal about people not knowing what we give and nobody should know how much I tithe. And it, You should not give your gifts to be seen by men, absolutely. But throughout the book of Acts, we have people doing a radical act of obedience, selling land, bringing all the money, and the church celebrating that. I wanna be a church that celebrates people's radical acts of obedience, that trip didn't just cost them $500. They spent money in addition to that that came out of their own pocket. You understand what I'm saying? I want to celebrate radical obedience in people's lives. Not because I feel prompted, but because it's a biblical thing. And if people bring their money, but if you bring your gift to be seen by men, read a passage about Ananias and Sapphira. Okay? So there is a bad giving, but there's also a good one. And it doesn't have to be top secret. You know, we can live our lives in radical obedience and it actually helps other people to do it. But here's what I want us to see. And I'm going to land the airplane here pretty soon, but here's what I want us to see. Acts chapter two, Acts chapter four. That's a span of four years we know based upon people that are in positions of power and certain things that are in the text, most scholars will say Acts chapter two to Acts chapter four is four years time period. We read it like it's the same week or the same month. Why is that important? Because we sometimes glamorize the revival of the book of Acts. And we're like, well man, if someone got up and preached a sermon and 3,000 people got saved, we'd have revival. No, we wouldn't. If, you know, someone got miraculously healed and <clears throat> one miracle in four years that's attested, 
okay? And two sermons in four years. Now, I'm not saying other miracles didn't like, take place and other, but not only do we need to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we have to be biblical. What this passages are telling us is that for four years, four years, they met together every day to pray, to worship, to have meals together. Why? Because they felt like it? Because there was always this urging of the Spirit to do it? No. I don't believe it was. I believe they were being biblical. They were just responding. Do you think there was ever a day in four years that they're like, man, I really don't want to go to the temple and pray. I don't really want to gather with the other believers. And sometimes, see, this is what we do. We come to a corporate prayer meeting and we're like, well, you know, I went to a prayer meeting once and it was kind of boring. I wonder if anyone in four years ever felt that way. I wonder if in four years they ever just thought, well, I'd rather not do that thing in obedience to the command of God. Stop glamorizing the book of Acts and making it like the Holy Spirit just did all the work. Now, absolutely, the fire is the result of the Holy Spirit, but the fireplace is on you and me. We build the fireplace. And see, you and I, we have a choice to make. We can either choose television, sports, books, other things, or we can choose him. We can choose to, to go to the table and eat, or we can choose to fast and pray. We can choose to either sleep in, or we can choose to actually get up. We can choose to be a part of some other activity, or we can choose to come together with other believers and worship together. But here's the thing, I promise you, the moment you say, I'm gonna commit myself to be in a huddle, you will find a billion excuses not to go this week. It's sometimes hard. And please, I, the, the worst thing you could do is swing all the way over to the other side and condemn yourself and feel so guilty if you stay home one week. What will people think of me? They'll think you're human. That's a bad thing, I know, to be human. I'm not talking, because you can come. Here's the thing. You can sit every week in that room and never miss a Sunday school class and be no closer to God than someone who never comes. It's not the outward act. It's the position of the heart that builds the fireplace. Now, sometimes I have to come when I don't feel like it. Sometimes I have to come when I don't want to because it's biblical, because I know where we're going. And here's the thing. When we understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the good gift this Father gives us, it's gonna explode on the inside of us. I promise you. I'm gonna invite Christy to come back. Do you know why pastors invite musicians to come to the platform? To give you hope. That's why we do. It's okay to laugh in church. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. Some of you have gone to youth camps, youth conventions, men's retreats, women's retreats. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and now you're waiting for what comes next. Well, you know what comes next? Acting on what you've received. Acting on what you've received. In Romans chapter eight, we read it this week in Sunday school and I read it this week in my personal time because it was in my notes, but we're gonna get to it next week. Uh, it's really freeing to put optional stuff in your sermon and um, and say, I'll cover that next week. Because in Romans chapter eight, it says, we do not know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. I mean, there are times I don't know, you don't know. But 
the Holy Spirit prays for us with words that can't be expressed, with groanings that don't make sense. And he prays in the exact will of God. And as a result of that, listen to this, read it again, Romans chapter eight. As a result of that, God works everything for good. Everything for good to those who love him and are called to court. Right, right on the heels of it, the Holy Spirit, we don't know how to pray for God to work everything for good, so I pray. Now, in the past, when I've read that, the Holy Spirit prays for us. I've always read it. I don't know how you've read it, but I've always read it like the Holy Spirit prays for me. He's like, I'm interceding for Tom. Like, Lord, help Tom. But that's not what it means. The Holy Spirit prays through me on my behalf. I don't know how to pray. So what does he do? He gives me a language that I don't understand so that he can pray in my place. And as I pray, that language that he's given me, it just, it brings me into the perfect will of the Father. Now some people when they hear that say, so what you're saying is people who don't speak in tongues don't have the perfect will of the Father. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is this book says when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will speak in new tongues and the whole purpose of that is to bring you into greater intimacy with the Father. And so I have found myself over the last several weeks just saying, God, in response to what you've said, I don't know how to pray, so I'm gonna use the gift that you've given me and I'm gonna pray. And I've shared with you over the la that last testimony that as I've just started praying in the Spirit, I pray in the Spirit when I don't feel the urging to pray in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit because you know what it does? The Scripture says it builds my faith. The scripture says it helps me. It encourages my inner man. Twice in the New Testament, Paul says, when you pray in the spirit, when you pray in tongues, your spirit is built up. It's edified. That's what happens. Now, I doubt when we're watching a movie or Netflix or sports, and you know, I watched the ACC championship game last night. I was so hopeful for Miami. Wore one green sock and one orange sock, trying to give them every bit of energy I could give them. And they lost 38 to three. And my spirit did not feel encouraged. And even as I was driving here this morning, I'm like, Lord, why did I bother watching that football game? Because now I just feel like that. Why did I put my hopes up again? I knew they would disappoint me. They always disappoint me. But, you know, so what I did on the way here, I'm like, you know, I feel blessed, so I'm just gonna pray in the Spirit. And when you begin to use that language and allow yourself to commune with God, God wants to fellowship with you. He's gonna show you things. He's gonna do things. Because some of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that was Acts chapter 2. That was your day, and I don't care if the building shook, I don't care if there were tongues of fire, it was that moment for you was Acts chapter two. And you're waiting for the prompting of God to do something next, and God's saying, I've given you the Spirit, just start using that language regularly. Just start believing that I wanna flow through you to heal some beggar on your way to a prayer service, but in the meantime, I want you to pray with other believers. In the meantime, I want you to fellowship with other believers. I wanna connect you with the body of Christ so that you can grow together. I want you to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. I want you to do these things biblically. And in the meantime, I'm gonna come alongside when you least expect it. And you're gonna be like, Lord, I've been building this fireplace and building this fireplace and all of a sudden the fire comes and you can't make the fire come. But you can build a fireplace. 
And so today I want us to just take a moment and I want us to build a fireplace. And I'm not saying that it has to be a certain way. You know, we take time in the service to, to pause and to let the Holy Spirit speak. And, you know, we try to make room for the Holy Spirit. We try to come to the altar at the end of the service to give you a chance to respond. Does that mean that's the only way God speaks? No, but I, I, tell, I beg you, every time you open this book, please pause and say, God, what do I do with it? Because if you hear the word, but don't do what it says, you deceive yourself. It is not how much we know that proves our maturity, it's how much we obey what we know. And some of us have all the answers up here, but we're not putting them into practice. And today could be your day. Just start stepping out in faith and doing what God has asked you to do. And sometimes it's gritty and sometimes it's hard, just do it anyway. And I promise you, one of these days, there's gonna be a fire when you least expect it. The fire comes. The fire comes when there's a fireplace. So I wanna invite you to stand with me. This is how we're gonna end our service today. And I wanna encourage you to read those two chapters in the book. There's more that I'm gonna share with you next week uh, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if this is your first week, you're like, wow, you didn't cover a lot, but I did last week and we did next week. And, um, and so if you're new and you're like, I don't understand, that's all right, you don't have to understand. The apostles didn't understand, but Jesus sent the Spirit to teach them. So I want you just to close your eyes for a moment. And we're gonna sing one final song together. It's just a simple song that says, God, give me faith. Give me faith to trust what you say. Give me faith to trust what you say. <laughs> that you are good. That you are good. You're a good father. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit has been misrepresented by people and you're a good father. And parts of me are afraid or proud, but you're a good father. There are some things I don't understand, but you're a good father. And if I ask you for a good gift, you're not gonna give me a snake and you're not gonna give me a scorpion and you're not gonna do me harm. And I wanna just ask you to build a fireplace. And for some of you, you might stand right where you are. Some of you may need to come to the front and find a place to kneel or you just wanna to come to the front and worship. Our prayer team is here in the front. They're in this front row. And if you want someone to pray with you, they'd love the opportunity to pray with you because in the book of Acts, some people were baptized in the Holy Spirit while they were praying. Some people were baptized in the Holy Spirit while people were preaching. And some people were baptized in the Holy Spirit when they laid their hands on them and they prayed. And so there's not a way that this happens. The only way it happens is you opening your heart to the Father and saying, I want everything you have for me. And I'm willing to throw down and walk away from some stuff and just trust you. And I'm gonna take steps of faith when you prompt me. And I'm gonna take steps of faith because you've showed me in your word the things that are in your heart. And so I'm gonna start walking in that. I'm gonna start trusting you. I'm gonna start believing that you wanna show up in my life in a greater way. And so I wanna invite you to build a fireplace. Build a fireplace as we sing this song together. And then I'll, in a moment, I'll come back, I'll pray, I'll dismiss you if you need to go. 
But let's just take a moment and however you need to, build a fireplace. God, give us faith.
death and his resurrection you brought us into your family as children thank you that you have sent his spirit your spirit into our hearts Holy Spirit I pray continue to teach us teach us how to pray remind us of everything that Jesus taught show us the truth of this book show us how to apply it to our lives God, I'm so grateful for the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues, but God, that's not the end. God, that was a doorway into greater intimacy. Forgive me for ever making it the end of the road. Father, help me to understand the things of the Spirit. I don't want to be ignorant. God, you've given us truth. You've given us your Son. You've given us your Spirit. Holy Spirit, give us faith to trust what you say. Give us faith to be obedient when you prompt us and to be obedient to the things that we already know are in your heart. So over this body today, God, I pray your blessing. I ask that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you'd cause your face to shine on them, that you would be gracious to them, that you'd lift up your countenance on them, and God, that you'd give them peace. And I pray it in Jesus' name. If you need to be dismissed, we're gonna let you do that. Thank you for being patient for those extra few moments. If you wanna spend some more time in prayer, if you wanna be prayed for and you haven't done that yet, we'd love the opportunity to pray with you. God bless you as you go, and uh, we'll see you next week.